Father God, we thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Um, thank you, Lord, that we've, uh, for those who've been here and made it through the class and uh, hopefully uh, learned about the <coughs> fundamentals of what we truly believe, Lord, and how you have uh, given us your word and how we've covered the, uh, just the delivery of your word to us, the um, perspicuity of it, the, the fact that we can trust it and the, um, the way of salvation is in it and our, the way we relate to our church and, and brothers and sisters in Christ and, and obedience and all the things that are in there. We just thank you for that, Lord, and pray it would continue to help us grow, to learn more about you, and to be ultimately more obedient and sanctified, Lord. And so we just pray for your blessing on our time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. All right, Mike, last time. Why are we here? <laughs> to know God more deeply, to have assurance of eternal life, to become equipped for ministry. Yeah, so, um, and I hope we've gotten to that point, you know, is going through <coughs> this, and, and um, that certainly having the Word and understanding the Word gives you uh, ability to work in ministry. No matter what, you can teach, you can teach kids, you can get involved in other things, and you can serve. There's lots of things, uh, lots of ways to uh, to serve in the church, to edify one another, to use the gifts, right? How many gifts do we have? As many as God gives. As many as God gave us, right? We have a gift. When was the gift received? At the time of salvation, right? And that gift is sometimes giftedness. You have a package of gifts. And what is the purpose of the gifts? Yeah, it's to to utilize in the church for the edification of the believers, right? Just the building up of the body, and so it's important that we're involved in um, in ministry. Okay, the quiz. So we did horribly, by the way. Did we get to see it? You get it in the end. You always do. <laughs> All right, Sheila. God ultimately accomplish His purpose in our lives. God will ultimately. Yes, true. Yes, that's true. Right? He's gonna. God is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He does what He wants. Right? So that's gonna happen. I don't think that was a tough one, Jim. <laughs> we can know God's plan for our lives if we draw near to God and allow Him to control our thoughts. See that? Allow the thoughts. Trick. It's tricky, tricky. It's a think trick about question. it. Just think about it, though. Well, I'm going to say true, but. <laughs> true with a caveat. Right. And that's why you have to really drill down into this one, right? Yeah. Because, okay, and we're going to cover this. We're going to cover what this means, but. Um, what, is a, what does the Bible tell us about being controlled? How are we to be controlled? By the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, right. And so then, how is it that the Holy Spirit will be able to control us? We'll go back to Colossians 3, 16, right? It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then after that, it's the same result as Ephesians five eighteen, where it says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so 
by having God's word in you, then you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you are literally controlled by the Holy Spirit, right? But um, is that going to give us God's plan for us? No. No. He will tell us what his... Well, we'll get that's questions coming up. So. I want to give a new question away. Okay, Mike. A believer can know at any point in time the sovereign will of God for his or her life. What happened? True. Oh. Um. <laughs> How come y'all? So I think there? I messed that one up too. There we go. Um. So, a believer can know at any point in time. So, could I know that I was going to have a heart attack? No. No. Was that God's sovereign will? No. Yeah. Anything that comes to pass is his sovereign will, right? Both oh, good yeah. and evil. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's what I said. He's tricky. <laughs> no, he's just think well, about it and apply it. Talk about, that's what my butt was. So we talk about the will for your life, right? Micah, right? What does mm-hmm. God want for you? Uh, walk humbly, do, mm. do right. Yes. I mean, do, this is what he wants. That's his will for us. So there's a sense in which we know his will. Mm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Everything we need for life and godliness. Right. Everything's there. Second Peter 1, 3, right? But do we know what the future will be as in his will as to what's going to happen as far as circumstances that will occur? Then no. <laughs> yeah, probably don't, right? So you're talking about two separate wills. Right, right. right. Well, so of, that's yeah. that's coming up next, I think. So this is a false. Next one. Huh? All right, Kathy. It's up to you, Kathy. If we don't understand why God has acted in a given way, where it's exhorted to simply trust Him, true. True, right? Maybe we just trust God in everything, right? Why? Give me a verse. Romans eight. How about Romans eight twenty eight? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, God uses all things or causes all things to work together for good for those who love him or call the court to his purposes. So that's why we can trust him. Because anything that's going to happen to us is his good. Right? For whatever reason. I, got a, I had a heart attack. I had two heart attacks. Somehow, that's part of God's will and it's going to be good for me. Right? Even, if we, even if we don't understand that. Even if we don't understand it, right? We just need to know that. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Kimberly. It is never God's will that we should suffer. That's false. Right? That's false. In fact, what's that verse in uh, <coughs> Philippians? Is that it's it's God's will? So not only is it your God's God's will to uh, believe, but to suffer for His name's sake. That's His will. Is that some people suffer? Right? Look at the martyrs. Look at you know the early church. How many people suffered? Right? Yeah, I was listening to the radio the other day. And Actually, I was discussing that with Kathy on the way down here. Is that there was a song came on and said that I'm happy, I'm free, and you know all this stuff, no burdens. What I'm like, well, that song's wrong because we're gonna have, have worry, suffer, and everything throughout this life. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, suffering is part of growing, isn't it? Right. What is it? Uh, what does this say uh, in James about trials? Right? Count it all joy, joy when you come into various trials. Right? Trials are what God uses to grow us, to um, build character in us. 
And there's a, another verse in, in, in Corinthians that says that, you know, about people who have gone through trials and have been ministered to. It says to minister to those in the same way that you were ministered to. So if, if nobody ever goes through anything, then what happens the first time? <laughs> there's I mean, no one there to help. There's no, you know, there, there's no wisdom uh, to be found. And it's like, well, we just have to play this by ear and see what happens in the end. And then after it's all done, then we'll be able to tell people. Right. Well, that's, you know, we go through life with all kinds of different, um, different things, different adversities. And those are all being used by God for a purpose. And so suffering is used for lots of things. What did Paul say about having the thorn in the flesh? You know, God but said it was... With this, I have to just praise your wife for a minute because, you know, everybody's asking you everything, and that's totally fine. We need to know, and we even asked you. But when I turned to her and asked her, I said, you know, how are you doing? Mm. You know, she just gave glory to God. <coughs> Me and her were standing about there. She didn't complain about how tired she had. You know, all this stuff coming up, we're just going to trust the Lord. And, you know, that was just such a powerful witness. Yeah. Whether just, she you know, realized it or not. Yeah. It is, uh, we have to trust God. Right? Yeah. If you don't trust God, then who do you trust? Man? Right. Yourself? So, you know, and it's one of those things that, when the first heart attack happened, I was out. I mean, there was no light, no tunnel. I didn't see any of that. But God could have taken me right then and there. They had to, they had to shock my heart to get me started. So um, it could have been there, and you just don't know when. That's right. You know, but, uh, you know, God was um, merciful. And he, uh, he put people in the right place at the right time and got me to the hospital. The, just statistically, I'll just tell you. The heart attack I had is called the Widowmaker. It's in the LAD uh, artery, which is the left anterior descending coronary artery. Right? And to have that as a, if you have a heart attack outside the hospital, the chances of survival are 6%. So 94% of the people that have that die. And I had two. And so the chances of surviving two are 0.36%. You know, praise God. It's all him. Right? Amen. So we just have to trust him in everything. And so we don't trust man. You can't, you can't trust. And, and so we're going to suffer because that's part of a fallen world also. You know, did Adam and Eve suffer initially in the garden? No, they didn't no. suffer. That was great. Perfect. But afterwards, after they sinned, then came suffering. So, all right. Sheila. God's command will is revealed in the Bible. True. True, right? Okay, so that's what Jim is talking about. When he talked about in that first question, or second question up here was, you know, can we know what God's plan is? Well, we certainly do know what his, his command and will is for us because we have that, right? And that... Um, that's something that we are responsible to know. So that's why we need to, we need to read our Bible. Right? So we know what his command and will is. His sovereign will is what we can't know. Right? Whatever happens, whatever comes to pass, is God's sovereign will. But it isn't revealed anywhere. It isn't, you can't read it. You, can't find, you can find out about 
some um, prophetic events coming because those have been revealed to us in the Bible. But if it hasn't been revealed, then we just don't know. We've got to trust. <coughs> okay, Jim. God guides the believer through the Bible, counsel of mature Christians, conviction, and the controlling of his or her circumstances. True. Yeah, right. So, Jim's an elder, right? Uh, and so, as an elder, he is going to be providing counsel, mature counsel, to believers. They will come and ask him, you know, what should I do? What should, should I move? Should I go? Should I, you know, should I go to this college? Probably not. Huh? No. <laughs> so people ask him, what, you know, where should I go? What should I do? Well, then you should say, well, go study Lesson 13, because that's about God's will for your life. Very good. All right, Mike. Uh, the Holy Spirit guides the believer through new revelations from God. Awesome. Really? No? We don't get any new revelations from God? You mean when the guy gets up there on Sunday on TV and says, God spoke to me last night. No? So we should run, right? Yeah. Okay. In the Old Testament and early church periods, God occasionally guided people by direct voice truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, does that mean then that he should do that now? That he'll do that now? No? No, because no, it was prophets long ago. Right. The apostles were gone. So what do we do? And I, this happens a lot, I'm telling you. What do you do when someone says to you that, you know, um, God told me that I should move to East Tennessee? It depends on what under the circumstances. Yeah, but he said, well, I just felt, I, I felt like God was telling me to go. And, I, and so picked up my family and moved to Tennessee. Which is the opposite of what? Yeah. Did you hear real voice? <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe medication. Where, I don't know. where is that in the Bible? Where, where is that in the Bible? What, is that, what does the voice sound like? I have never heard it. You know? right. How do you know? How, yeah, so, but that's a big thing. Why? Because it's part of the charismatic churches, right? And it spreads around and, and uh, it's, um, it's, you know, part of the, their gifts too is that if you're not speaking in tongues, then you're not mature, you're not a mature believer. Oh, I didn't think so, they thought I was saved when I started in the Carolina church because I didn't. Yeah, speak I, in I don't even have it. No, I got nothing. I got <laughs> blank, right? I got nothing. Yeah, but it's part of that. So they get the they get the you know the tongues going, and then it's oh, I received a word, uh, a word of knowledge, a word of something from the Lord, and I just know God was telling me that I should go to this college or. I should marry this person, or I should get this job. Okay, so you know we need to be able to refute that and say that's not how God speaks to us. Right? God speaks to us in uh, what was that verse seven? I mean, question number seven: the believers through the Bible counsel of mature Christians, conviction, controlling of his or her circumstances. Right? You heard somebody say, "Well, you know, I was going to go here and do this, but then." Things happen. God closed that door. Well, that's true. That's true. That's how God will uh, work in a person's life. Um, but but it also lets you close the door. You that's right. You should have gone. That's right. That's another point. By the end of this lesson, you will know exactly what he means. <laughs> Very good. Okay. 
Number 10, Kimberly. Since God clearly revealed his plan to many individuals of the, where's the rest? <laughs> there it is. Since God clearly revealed his plan to many individuals of the Bible, he will do the same for us if we pray. Yeah, it is false. He's not. But, but, you know, because these are tricky questions. You could read into that and say that, well, God revealed his plan to many individuals in, uh, of the Bible. He'll do the same for us if we pray. Well, that's not entirely untrue, right? Is it, we always pray, and we pray as we read his word, and we ask that he reveal the truth of scriptures to us. So that in those you will at least understand what his commanded will is and how to apply it to our lives. So from that standpoint, you will understand a little bit. But it's not the same as God specifically speaking or revealing himself to somebody in the Old Testament. Good, good. Tricky questions, but you know, it's the last test and you know, one to go with a bang, didn't you? Yeah, right. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Any questions? Okay, memory verse. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Yeah, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will is. Very good, very good, very good. So, this is great. What is it then? Think about the first part. So then do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. So if we don't understand what the will of the Lord is, what does that make us? Foolish. Makes us foolish, right? Why? Because we will believe anything. That's basically yeah. what we just covered, like the Pentecostal and the. Yeah, yeah. You could, uh, without knowing what God's word says, you're open to anything, right? So definitely. And then the other thing is, is that uh, Jim mentioned earlier the verse Second Peter one three, right? Is that by His divine power He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. So, if we want to live a life of godliness, it's incumbent upon us then to know about Him, knowledge of Him. We had the pack of papers and for the Bible in 13. Oh, no. I didn't do that. We get to make a certificate. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> we get your certificate. We'll hold it hostage till we get our notes. <laughs> Um, is it something you guys sorry. forgot? Is that all? Yeah, I forgot to print them. So I get down to Maryville at least once or twice a week. I can pick something up for you guys and bring it back to. Yeah, I mean, I just print them on my printer and bring them. It's the handouts I hand out all the time. Yeah, I love those things. Mm. They're great. I wonder it would be great if this uh, if this uh, machine over here did Wi-Fi because I could just Wi-Fi right to it. Mm -hmm. Well, you can email it to me. I'll you email it to y'all when I'm done. When we're done, but it's good to have. So I was going to say five eighteen. Is the next verse, obviously. Um, right. But that's what you were just talking about earlier. Yeah. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is. Follows right after this, right? right? After so, so not only don't be foolish, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Right. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Oh, well. Okay, so God is sovereign and has a purpose for all of his creation. He has a plan or a will for each of us. And we often make 
his will more difficult to respond to than it really is. So in this lesson, we're going to explore God's will and how we are guided into his will. So, any questions about the homework? Y'all turned them in already, so. Uh, anyone ready? Yeah, okay, well, we'll I didn't ahead. finish the first section, because I, 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 this was the hardest one for me mm. to understand. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Okay. Anybody listen to the message? Half of it. Half of it? We got half of it on the way up here. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so then, here's the question. How do I discern God's will in normal daily decisions, like job, moving, marriage, etc.? This is just a thoughtful question not to be answered now. But at the end of the lesson, you're going to be able to answer the question, okay? And it's just going to free you. It's going to be so freeing, you know? Like, how did you decide to go to the new church? Well, for you guys, it's closer, right? <laughs> By Jim. Was it closer? Uh, not at the time. Not at the time. <laughs> we'll make a decision there. Okay. So, we'll talk about God's will, right? So, God's sovereign will, God's will of desire, God's commanded will, and then our response to God's will and guidelines to uh, discerning God's will in everyday decisions, and then application, okay? So, God's sovereign will. So, God's will of purpose. Whatever he purposes to do will happen, right? Does anybody have a problem with that statement? That God's in control, whatever he purposes... To happen is going to happen. So, and then we got a couple verses to look at for that. So let's go to Isaiah fourteen twenty four. Uh, Sheila, could you read that? Isaiah fourteen twenty four. The Lord of hosts is sworn, saying, "Surely as I have vowed, so it will have come to pass; and as I have purposed it, so it shall stand." Okay. So, Lord of hosts is who? That's God, right? And he's saying that whatever he's thought, it's going to come to pass. Whatever he's purpose, it's going to stand. Right? Can anybody defeat that? No. 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 So he's got everything under control. And then Isaiah 46. Uh, mm -hmm. so, Jim, could you read it? Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So this verse is even more comprehensive than the last one, right? So who is it that determines the beginning from the end? Oh. It's God, right? And then everything in between as well, right? So um, there isn't anything outside his control. There's no, you know, and a lot of times you hear people... You know, in the news, you'll hear people quip, say quips and things that somehow this is a battle between God and Satan. The world is a battle between... Is that really true? No. Who owns Satan? God. God does. God created Satan. God owns everything he created. He also owns Satan. Satan works for God. So there's nothing outside of God's control. Okay. And what about salvation and predestination for those he... Of whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So who is active in our salvation? God is, right? All the time through, right? 
He's the one who conforms us to the image of his son. Okay, and then um, also this one. Uh, Mike, can you read that? Acts 2, 22 through 23. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So whose plan was it that Jesus would go to the cross? God's, right? Here it is. It's a predetermined plan, right? Everything was worked out exactly as God intended it to happen so that Jesus would go through everything he went through and he would end up on the cross as it had been um, predicted in the Old Testament. But also, wasn't it interesting is that there is that one verse in there that says, but woe to that man who betrayed him. Right? Even though it was predetermined. Right? So there is, a, there is a human accountability involved with uh, what does happen. That while Judas, um, while it was predetermined what would happen, Judas was responsible for his own actions. Um, you know, and the question is, is that if, if God wanted to, could he have changed the process? Yeah. Just stopped it, changed it, so long as it agreed with his, uh, all prophecies in the Old Testament, because God had already written those, and we know that God cannot lie. So, whatever would take place after, we still have to agree with, with, uh, his, um, his written word. So then, and then uh, what about governments? Kathy. Romans 13, 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Right. Like even the uh, Hamas in Gaza, right? They were the governing authorities. I don't know if they still are now, but... They were up until, you know, just recently. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's like you could ask, well, what about Iran? It's terrible, right? But still, what would be, the, what would, what would be worse than no government? Anarchy. Anarchy, right? And typically that's what you have when there is no government. So even with a bad government, um, it's still part of, you know, God's plan, God's, um, God's order, if you will. Doesn't make them, doesn't make it righteous. They're wicked governments, but still, the government is in place. The government is established by God. So then, do we live our lives with a view that all that happens in history has already been written by God? Everything. So, should we fret about what's going to happen in the future? No. What about the polar vortex coming? It's going to get cold, but, you know. Well, that winter storm they're trying to predict. Predict, right? <laughs> all over the place. Maybe, maybe not, right? So, I think if you're up in Montana, it hit, right? Yeah. They, they feel it for sure. So. Yeah, but everything, I mean, nothing takes God by surprise, right? Everything that happens exactly as God planned, according to his foreknowledge. 
Um, so for us, we can trust him. We can trust him. He's in control, and whatever, whatever the outcome is, it's going to be used for our benefit. So, now let's talk about his will of desire. Right? So Jesus desired Jerusalem to be saved, but what actually happened? Uh, Kimberly, can you read that? <clears throat> Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Right? They wouldn't come. Right? They would not come to Jesus. And of course, what happened to Jerusalem, A.D. 70? Got destroyed. It was yeah. It was just ransacked by, by the Romans, right? So. And it, it literally is a verse that uh, I shouldn't quote a bit. Talks about it is, is that because they did not know of the day of their visitation, they're responsible for what happened after that because they didn't know uh, the day of the visitation. They were talking about the day that the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem which had been foretold in Daniel's uh, prophecy to the day. To the day. And you can do the math on that. It's just amazing to go through it. And you would think that the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they would have been looking for that. But they missed it. And as a result, uh, they were responsible for that. And then also, what's the response of the people? He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So, but God desires all men to be saved. Right. Uh, Mike, can you read that? 1 Timothy 2, 3-4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires our men, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. So even though God desires something, it doesn't always happen. Maybe we talk about that's his will of desire, right? He desires that men would be obedient. But are men always obedient? No. No, no. And so here, you know, he, it says he doesn't want to send anyone to hell, right? But they won't come. So. <clears throat> and then... Christ desired everyone to come to him. Uh, Jim, give me that. <clears throat> Matthew 11, 20, 29. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, and who is this a call to? Jesus is saying this. Who is he saying it to? In general. Yeah, it's a general call. It's everybody out there. Um, but specifically, it's those who, are, who were weighed down with guilt um, and their sin. And then notice in, in 29, it says, and you will find rest for what? For your souls, right? This is a, for those who come to him, this is a rest for soul. This is a salvation. This is people who are going to be forever in, in peace with God. Okay, then, uh, so key, key, point, key point. God calls, but people are willing to, unwilling to come, right? And that's what we hear, you, you've heard it called the general call, right? The general call is out there uh, for anyone to come, but they, they don't. 
they don't come. Right? Some do, but not all. So God's will of desire is consistent with his sovereign will, but it's not always fulfilled. Right? Meaning his, his will of desire is not always fulfilled. His sovereign will is always filled. Okay, so then we talk about his commanded will. Right? So um, seeing in God's commandment throughout the whole New Testament, it is a standard for man's behavior. Right? So um, we can see that in last chapter. Right? Chapter 12 was on obedience. So we are given commandments to be obedient. And then it's summed up in Matthew 22. Sheila, could you read that? I think 22, 37 through 40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is a great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Yeah, so when he said the whole law and the prophets, uh, what is that a reference to? Old Testament. Yeah, so it's Old Testament, right? Because none of the New Testament was written at the point when Jesus said that, right? And so, um, so under this, Jesus subsumes man's whole moral duty under two categories. Love for God and love for one's neighbors, right? And the two categories differentiate the first four commandments uh, of, the, of the Decalogue, right? the Ten Commandments, right? And then uh, the final six are about behaviors, right? But think about when, when Jesus said that all of the commandments hang on these two. If a person is loving the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength and mind, then are they also doing all the things that God has commanded? And if they're also loving their neighbor as themselves, then are they not doing all the things, you know, relationally that God's word commands? And so the rest, really like the rest of everything else is on there, they're, they're redundant, if you want to say that, because really if, the, if, if we fulfill these two, you don't really need to say the rest. Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're going to always treat your neighbor better. Right? You're always going to be kind. You're always, so you don't have to say, thou shalt not murder. Well, of course not, because you love your neighbor, right? <laughs> So then, um, can, we, can we know God's commanded will? Yes, we can. Right? Uh, Kathy, you read that. Colossians 1.9 For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Mm, so then, can we be filled with the knowledge of his will? Yeah, we can. We can to a certain extent. How can we? Well, 1 Peter 1.3 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called, uh, called us by glory and virtue. So then, where is the knowledge of him found? Where is the knowledge of him found? The knowledge of his will and the knowledge of him, the knowledge of Jesus Christ is all found where? In his word. It's in his word. So we can know what his will is to the extent that we know what his word says. 
So, then, God's commanded will. This is from John MacArthur. He says, having the knowledge of God's word control our minds is the key to righteous living. What controls your thoughts will control your behavior. Self-control is a result of mind control, which is dependent on knowledge. Knowledge of God's word will lead to all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Very succinctly put, right? So, um, and then we already we talked about Colossians three sixteen and uh, Ephesians five eighteen, but those are how we are controlled: is that the word of Christ dwells in us richly, and as a result of that, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit is leading us <coughs> in all the things that we do. <coughs> the Word of God will control us through the Spirit who's in us. The more God's Word is in us, the more we are under the control of the Spirit. So then, talk about the nature of God's will. God's sovereign will and commanded will are better understood in light of their respective characteristics. Okay, so this, you guys remember this from your book, right? So, uh, on the sovereign will side, you have its secret, known only to God, except as revealed through history or revelation, right? His commanded will, it's revealed in the Bible, right? Um, his sovereign will can't be resisted or thwarted. Uh, it encompasses both good and evil. It's comprehensive, controls all aspects of life, time, and history. And the believer is not commanded to know or discover what God has not revealed. Okay, that's his sovereign will. We can't know it. But on the commanded will, it can be resisted, right? Or disobeyed, because he gives us a commandment, we disobey it. Um, it involves only that which is good and holy. Mm, specific, it provides principles for living. Believers are exhorted to know it, to understand it, to obey it, uh, to all that God has revealed to us. Any questions about sovereign and commanded? I mean, you guys filled out that, you know, question. I mean, you marked in the back there which one, you know, the statement fell under sovereign uh, or commanded. Well, I think you actually all got it, but I haven't checked yours. Yeah, it's like oh, okay. So, what's our response to God's will? Well, uh, the Lord tests the righteous, right? The Lord tests the righteous. What does that mean? Lord tests the righteous. Well, sometimes it means we're going to be put to the test and it's going to measure our response. How do we respond to a test? Are we going to respond in a righteous way or are we going to respond in a sinful way? Right? Uh, and you can, you can look through lots of examples in the Bible where, how about Abraham? Abraham was tested. Right? He responded righteously. So then, testing reveals your true heart, right? You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Deuteronomy 8, 2. And so, did God know what they would do? Yeah. God knew what they would do, right? Who didn't did, know? Did we they, know? Did we know? Did they know? No, they didn't. That's what a test does. It'll, you know, it'll prove to you whether you're going to you know, be obedient or not. Yeah, so in this case, the, the trials was to humble them and to prove where they stood, right? And why does he want to humble us? 
Why do you want to humble us? Well, James 4, 6. Because he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in 1 Peter 15, 5, likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And sometimes that's what a, what a trial does too, right? A trial will humble us. I think, we're, I think we're all everything, and then we fall off our horse. <laughs> and so don't be surprised when you are um, tested. Uh, Mike, can you read that? 1 Peter 4, 12-13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But... But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. So then, you know, the question is, what should our response be to a trial that God gives us? How should we respond? Right, Count it all joy. Keep on rejoicing. Remember even Paul and Paul and was it Barnabas who were in the prison? And what were they doing down there? Singing and praising God, right? They're, 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 you know, joyful. And we, you know, we don't get it when we say he's in a prison. We think our prisons, you know, their prisons, that's not a prison. That's a hole. Those prisons, a hole in the ground. It's just full of water down there. You stand in muck and it's whatever else gets what, thrown in there. Yeah, whatever else is in there, you know. And there's no bathroom. People are down there a long time. So you think about it. So anyway, uh, we keep on rejoicing um, that also at the revelation of his glory that you may rejoice with exultation because he is putting you through that. What is that one verse about? He loves those who, he, no, he chastens those whom he loves. So, uh, and so in our response, we need to be one of trust, right? Kimberly, can you read that? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Okay, so then whose, whose will is it that we suffer? The Lord's. It's God's, right? Yeah, who suffer according to the will of God. Okay. So, uh, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't get into the why me, you know, poor me, pity party, Right, is a that's a backwards thinking, because what do we really deserve? Death, hell, and punishment. Right, death, hell, and punishment. Right, that's what we really deserve. Right, but God is merciful, and anytime we're we're suffering, it's by His will, and it's for our benefit. We might not see it at the time, and we might not like it at the time, but it is. So that our response to his commanded will. So we need to know and obey the commanded will, right? I think we looked at that one. Here's our memory verse. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, right? It's a, is this a suggestion? It's a command, right? So we want to make sure we're doing it. Um, and what is the command to do? Understand what the will yeah. of the Lord don't is. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then otherwise, you're going to be unwise. We won't be wise. 
especially given the fact that you have a Bible and it's got it all right there, it may be a whole lot more difficult when this was written because they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a computer, they didn't have this where they could look up God's, you know, everything. And I mean, the only time they heard God's word was actually when they went to the, on Sunday to the, the wherever they were going, the church, a house, wherever it was, and they, they had some scrolls that had been written and sent, or they had scrolls from the Old Testament, and they could read them. So, much more difficult for them at the time to know what the, the, God's word was. But for us, though, is there any excuse for not knowing what it is, his word? No. None. I mean, there's just so many ways now to get it. But you do have to be careful, right? Because if you go on TBN or something, you know, you might not be getting the right word. Okay, and then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 11, 1 and 29, 29. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinance, and his commandments. Um, and then uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. So notice here. Uh, here we have, this is, the top is referring to his, his commandments, right? And his ordinances and his statutes. That's his commanded will, right? Under here, though, it's, we start with, well, the secret things belong to the Lord. What are the secret things? That's his sovereign will, right? That's the secret. You don't know his sovereign will. You don't, we don't know any of those things. We don't, there's a lot of other secret things, too. We don't know everything about everything, right? But the things that reveal belong to us and to our sons forever. Those are the things we are to know. So then, being obedient to all that God has revealed in his word is the beginning of aligning our will with his will. However, this implies that we have immersed ourselves into the scriptures to determine what the will of the Lord is. And I don't have it on there, but I believe that's a quote from John MacArthur. So, Okay, so then, Guidelines to discerning God's will in everyday decisions. This is this is it right here. This is what you came for. This is the whole class right here. This is why you're here. Number one, be saved. Chief, can you read that? First James two three and four. To say good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. That there is all men to be saved and be come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, so the question number one for us is are we saved? That's the first and foremost thing that God desires in your life, that you're saved. Number two, be spirit filled. Jim, can you read that? And do not get drunk with wine for that anticipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Right. And we talked already about being God equates being filled with the Spirit to being filled with the Word of Christ. So then, are we Spirit-filled? Two. Uh, let's see. Are we submissive to authorities? Uh, Mike, can you read that? Second uh, Peter 2, 13 through 15. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to the king as the one, one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evil doers and the praise of those 
who do right. So for, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of the foolish men. So this is saying are we submissive to authorities? Are we are we obedient to our own government, in other words. So then the next one. Are we willing to suffer for his sake? Kathy. First Peter three, seventeen through eighteen. For it is better if God should will it <coughs> that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Yes, yeah, so the question then is, if God wills that, we're, that we uh, suffer for what is right, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to suffer for that sake? That's part of his will for us, right? That we'd be willing to suffer. And then be sanctified. Uh, Kimberly. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. And so the question is, are we, are we sanctified? What is sanctification? Or what is to be sanctified? That sanctification or sanctified is, is to be set apart from, right? And so we're set apart from sin. Set apart from sin unto God. And so, as we go through our Christian life, you know, we have day one where we're saved and we don't know everything. We don't have all of God's commands and we do a lot of things that we used to do. That's sin. But as we grow in, the, in, in His Word, in the knowledge of Christ, and we know what His commandments are, then we should be sinning less and less and less. And that's that process of sanctification. So the question is, are we, um, are we sanctified? Are we being set apart? Are we growing every day in Christ? Right? And then lastly, be self-sacrificing. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So then the point of this verse 1 is to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And then verse 2 is not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And how is the mind renewed? Through the word of God. Right? Through the word of God. So then, are we living a sacrificial life? Are we renewing our mind by filling, filling it with his word? That's the question. So, then let's go back. Uh, a quote from John MacArthur here. To be filled with the Spirit is to be under his total domination and control. To be filled with the Spirit involves confession of sin, Surrender of will, intellect, body, time, talents, and desires. It requires the death of selfishness and the slaying of self-will. To be filled with God's Spirit is to be filled with His Word. And if we're filled with God's Word, it controls our thinking and action. So then, here it is. Here is the application. This is big. I mean, this is the big thing here. Okay. So then, if you are saved, 
if you are spirit-filled, if you are submissive to authorities, if you're willing to suffer for his sake, if you're sanctified, and if you're self-sacrificing, then what? Then follow the desires of your heart. All right? You're not going to get a word from God to tell you what to do because you won't need it. You're doing all these things, which is part of his will, then what your decision is going to be based on um, the influence of his word and the Holy Spirit, right? So, Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? Does that mean if I want a red Corvette, he's going to give me that? Or is it the other way around? Is that he puts the desires in my heart, right? So then... Um, he'll put his desires in my heart and then you know this Proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path right he will direct your path so then if we have a decision to make um, what do we do what do we do if we want Tough decision. We don't know what to do. What, think about it. So when making decisions, pray for wisdom. Okay. Seek godly counsel. Go to your go to your elder, and trust the Lord to direct you in all your decisions. Okay. Yeah, all this is on that outline, right? It's all on that outline, and I'm going to email to you. You're going to email me. <laughs> 